Wouldn't it be great that after 20 years you could say we're more connected, we're better connected than we were 20 years ago? I think that would be the goal of marriage or one of the goals of marriage. And so it's also the goal of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so here's what we're going to do, among other things, through this series. Every week we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer with the intent that at the end, if not before, some of you can be overachievers, all right, and just go ahead and learn it this week, we will be able to totally, completely recite the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to do it in the King James Version because that's probably the easiest for many of us who grew up saying it in that uh, particular uh, translation. And so we're going to say it together and we're going to memorize it together. So I'd like for you on this first Sunday to just stand up and if you will put it on the screen and today we'll get some extra help. Maybe one of these Sundays we'll just take it off the screen. Okay. Or we'll have blanks. Maybe we'll do it that way and uh, see how good you do. Let's say it together. Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. You did good. Sit down, please. Have you ever wondered if you pray right? You ever wondered that? Uh, Have you ever thought maybe you're not praying right? That maybe, you know, other people know how to pray better than you Uh, Because maybe you've heard other people pray and you think, I don't think I'd do it right. I believe that God wants us all to have confidence in prayer. And here's what I've been guilty of. I don't know if you've had this happen to you or maybe you've given this advice to somebody who got this advice. Hey, just talk to God. Have you ever had somebody say that? Just talk to God. What we're going to see today and over the next six weeks is when Jesus was asked, how do you pray? He did not answer, oh, just talk to God. Just chat. No, he gave us a way to tap into God. And it's not a formula It's not something to just recite each day, but it is a model for us to follow. And so we're going to follow this model of the Lord's Prayer that we find in two places of the Bible. In Matthew chapter 6, we find it in the Sermon on the Mount, and then we also find it in Luke chapter 11. So it's in two different places in the New Testament. And in Luke, it comes in response to the question of the disciples, 
Lord, could you teach us to pray? They were potentially curious about his view on prayer because it's not like these Jewish boys didn't know how to pray because every Jewish boy would have known how to pray. Every Jewish boy would have been trained and instructed on how to pray. These are the things that you need to say to God at least every day. But they wanted to know how Jesus prayed. And so I don't know about you, but I would like to know how Jesus prayed. Uh, I, I think if we could pray like Jesus, perhaps we'd see more power uh, in our prayer life. So today is just an introduction to prayer, and it is the introduction to prayer that Jesus gave. So each week we're going to look at different phrases, and this week we'll look at the very first phrase that Jesus uses to address God and how we should come before God himself. And the first thing you can write down if you're taking notes or if you're following along the U version notes that we have there is all access. Everybody say that with me. All access. You see, for about 200 years before Jesus, and here's some of the context of where the disciples were coming from, Jewish people were taught how to pray, and they were taught how to pray a form of prayer known as the Amidah, which was, were 18 benedictions, 18 stanzas, 18 uh, contextual uh, developments of, of petitioning God, of, of coming to God, and, and what the Jewish people were trained to do is you use these 18 different statements, these 18 different parts and components to tap into God. And so what would happen is that was a lot, right? 18 different things that you had to remember and, and cover. How many of you, three things that the grocery throws you off, Right? You come out with two, and your wife's like, what? <laughs> Where's the third item? Oh, yeah, there was three. And so religious leaders would do this. They would take those 18 stanzas, that, that Amidah, and they would reduce it down. They would simplify it, and they would give a viewpoint as a rabbi. They would say, now, I teach, and if you're a follower of me, we will pray like this, and you're to pray this each day. So it was an abbreviated version, uh, Amidah, that they would take before the Lord. So when the disciples come to Jesus, perhaps what they're saying is, what's your abbreviated version? What, what, what's your take on the Amidah? What, what, what would you have us to pray each day? And, and so when we put the Lord's Prayer up against these 18 benedictions, they are, 
It is strikingly familiar and similar. And so perhaps this is, in fact, what Jesus was doing as he was reducing down the Old Testament teachings on prayer and condensing it and providing it as a model prayer to use. This is how you should come to God. So it wasn't anything shocking a revolutionary for the disciples to hear these words that Jesus was going to share with them. Now, Jesus does exclude some things from the 18 benedictions. And what he excludes is interesting to me because he excludes the blessing of the temple, the Jewish temple. The Jewish people were all about the temple. I mean, they wanted the temple to be back in the glory of the Solomon days. Those were the days, right? And they wanted that glory restored to Israel. Jesus also left out of this the rebuilding of Jerusalem, that Jerusalem would be in its glory as well, that that city on a hill would once again shine around the world and be the envy of the entire world. And Jesus leaves this out of his prayer. I believe he does so because he is opening this prayer to more than just Jewish people. Jesus is saying, this is for everyone. This is all access, or as we used to say, it's an old skate, right? Anybody remember that? I'm going to date myself here, all right? An all skate. Everybody can get out. And so it can be prayed by everyone. It can be open to all. And Jesus is also, and we'll see this in the coming weeks, but let me, let me just mention this. Prayer to too many of us is trying to be an antidote for our dilemma or an order form for our desires. We, we submit it to God as, hey, get me out of jail. Get me out of my problem. And too many of us, that's when our prayer life gets real. That's when our prayer life gets vibrant and alive, and we don't forget to pray. We remember to pray. And when we want something, when there's something lacking that we want that we don't have, it seems like we're able to remember to pray. And Jesus shifts this and says, that's not a good reason to pray. Uh, you, you should pray because you're able to pray. You're able. You're able to have access to God. And so he begins with the word, our Father. Not just talk to my Father. He says talk to our Father. 
He is using an inclusive word to demonstrate that this is a communal prayer, that we all can come together. As a matter of fact, we can all come together even at one time because in the book of Acts, we find that they were all in one place, in one accord, and they all lifted up their voices in prayer. So they all prayed. So it's not just something, well, you take your turn, I'll take my turn, and you know. It's we all have a turn, and we all have all access at all times in our lives. So it's not exclusive. It's not just for Jewish people. It's for all people, for all time. It's not exclusive. It's inclusive. Everyone can pray. Everyone can participate. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. I'm glad that it's totally inclusive and that I don't have to wait. We'll come back to this uh, in a few moments, but I don't have to wait for somebody else to take me there. And then Jesus says, not just our, but he says, Father. And so the second thing to write down is Father God. Not just God, not just creator, but Father. Now, the word Father is not a new term to these disciples. Uh, They're not thrown off and saying, what are you doing calling him Father? Because over in the Old Testament, God would refer to his people as his children. They are my children. And so already in this mindset of the disciples was the thought of God being our Father. But Jesus is using it as an even more powerful term because it is his favorite term for God. 165 times in the Gospels, Jesus uses the word Father. Now, I know when I use that word, it can conjure up different ideas here today. For those of us who had great dads, who had dads who were present, who had dads who were involved, who had dads that were engaged in our lives, it brings up endearment. For those of us, and I'm very cognizant of this, that some of you did not have that experience in life. That especially in the culture that we live in today, it would be very easy to assume that in a crowd of this size that there would be numerous people who did not have that. That, that the word father does not conjure up affinity. It does not conjure up Uh, endearment. As a matter of fact, it conjures up abandonment. And so, to those of you who do not have a favorable thought toward the word Father, and it, it brings that negativity into your mind because of your past, here's what I want to say to you. I want to say to you two things. First of all, I am so sorry that that happened to you. I am so sorry that you had an abandonment. I am so sorry that your dad wasn't the dad he should have been. However, 
I will say this. Don't let the devil use that to keep you away from your heavenly Father. Because your heavenly Father will never abandon you. Jesus said, I will go with you always, even to the end of the world. Our Father in heaven will never let us down. He will never let us go. He will never, ever turn his back on us. So he is, what we sang earlier, a good, good father. And I'll go this far to say he'll even be a father to the fatherless, the Bible says. And I have seen him heal the wounds from fathers. And so he is able to heal those hurts that maybe you've had in your life. And Jesus gave a picture. One of the great stories that many people even know, and maybe if you're not familiar with the Bible, never really read the Bible, you might have heard this story. Jesus told it about a dad who had two sons. And the youngest son came to him and said, Dad, can we pretend like you're dead? Can you imagine? Can we just pretend like you're dead? Because if you were dead, I'd get money. And what I'd like to do is just kind of pretend that you're dead today and you give me the money that you would give me and that I would get if you were dead. Can we do that? And this dad said, okay, son. And he gave that son his inheritance upon which he takes off and says, I'm free now, free to be, free to do. And he goes out, and the Bible describes it this way. He spent it on wild living. And as long as he was buying, people were his friends. But when the money grew scarce, the friends dropped off. And Finally, he winds up bankrupt. No friends, no one to go to, no one to bail him out. And so now he's working in a pig trough, feeding pigs. And he looks at his life and he thinks, I think I messed up. Because I would be better off, I'd be better off to be a slave for my dad because my dad treated slaves that worked for us better than the way I'm living now. And so maybe if I go back, Pop will take me back and I can just be a slave because that'd be better than this. And how many of you, if you'd have known the outcome of some of your decisions, you wouldn't have decided that, right? So don't get too, you know, looking down your nose at this kid. And so he comes back home, and the Bible says this, this is the beautiful part of the story, is that when the kid is coming back home, while he was yet a long way off, his dad sees him. 
He sees his form. He sees his image coming down the road and thinks maybe this is it. Now, I don't know. Jesus didn't say it exactly like this, but I have a suspicion the reason why he saw his son like that is because he had been looking for him every day, wondering if this would be the day that he would come home. But this day, it was true. He was coming home, and he didn't wait for the son to come home, and he didn't say, I told you so. He didn't say any of those things. What he did say is, I love you, son, and he hugged that son, and and the son said, I don't even deserve to be called a son anymore. And he says, what are you talking about? Bring the robe for him, and here, take my ring. You have my authority restored to you. You're not going to be a slave. And also, we're going to celebrate this because this is worth celebrating. My son that was lost has been found. What was dead is alive. And we're going to kill the fatted calf and we are going to celebrate. And he threw the biggest party they had ever had. Now, Jesus says, that's your heavenly father. That's your heavenly father. So today, if you've been running away from him, if you've been thinking, I know what's best. Oh, I can pick my own friends. I can, you know, I, oh, if I make the money, I'm, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be all that. And, uh, and God is so gracious to us. He'll let us do it. And then let us live with our decisions. But the point of the story is he'll always be waiting for us to come back. You see, he's a God, our heavenly father, who guides, heals, comforts, cares, who's strong yet tender to heal us. He's wise enough to guide us and patient enough to let us go our way. He's close enough so that we can hear him and be known by him and and consider the closeness of our God that he's always watching over us. Isn't that awesome? And then the second or the third thing to write down is above all. Jesus teaches in this prayer. He's not just our Father, but He's our Father where? In heaven. And it's not so much heaven. When we think about heaven, I think we think of it as a destination. But when Jesus is talking about heaven, it's a current reality. It's not something the sweet by and by. It's not somewhere off somewhere. It's right here, right now. And he's going to talk about in a few moments uh, when he's praying the kingdom being brought here now. Not later, but now the kingdom. We'll get to that. But he's above all creation. He's above and beyond. In other words, this heavenly father has the perspective of the heavens. It's it's about who he is. That he's not just a bigger, better version of ourselves. That he is transcendent above and beyond what we see, what we feel, what we touch. That he has the closeness of the father, but he has the power of the of the heavens at his disposal you know when they play football and football season's starting up uh, there's always somebody 
up in the coach's booth, up in the press booth, that's looking down on the field. And why would that be? Why can't you just have the coach on the sidelines? Because he needs somebody else that can see better than he can see. Because down there on the field, he he can't always see all the moving parts. He can't see exactly what happened clear over on the other side of the field. But that guy up in the booth did. And he can radio down and say it was the safety's fault over on the other side. And, and so the coach will call that guy over and say, hey, hey, what's up there? You know, you, you didn't cover good enough. And, and have a conversation. But he wouldn't have been able to do that. He wouldn't have known for sure what maybe the play was because of all the mess of humanity that was out there on the field. We serve a God who is above and beyond the fray. He is above and beyond the battle. You may not be able to see what's going on. It may get so clouded in your marriage. It may get so clouded in your finances. It may get so clouded in what's going on in your life that you can't see your hand in front of your face. It feels like, but we serve a heavenly father who is above and beyond all of it. And he can see what you can't see. You see, David prayed. He says, your power, your greatness, your glory, your majesty, your splendor in heaven and earth, it's yours. And Paul prayed about a God who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Jeremiah says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too difficult for you. The psalmist said, your loving kindness is better than life. It's better than anything. It's greater than the heavens. Isaiah said, his ways are above our ways, and his thoughts are above our thoughts. When we go to God, we not only go to one who has the love of a father, but he has the perspective of the heavens. And then, Jesus says, we pray in his holy name. Write that down. In his holy name. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Now, what this really means, if you look into it, is may your name be sanctified. May your name be glorified. May your name be above every other name. And it is a request for God to do something because I can't make God more holy than he is. Does that make sense? I'm looking for affirmation here, all right? Confirmation, all right? I can't make him more holy. In other words, I can't make God better. See, he wouldn't be God if he could get better. But, but he's God because he's best. And he is, was, and always will be. And so therefore, it's not may I make your name really more holy, but God, may you make your name more holy, more known. God, make your name Known In Ezekiel, pull his scripture up for me. Here, here's what God says about it. I will magnify myself. 
All right? So just get out of the way. I will magnify myself. I'll, I'll sanctify myself. I, and I'll make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know I am the Lord. Isn't that true? I mean, all of us, I, I think it's, it, it's kind of like the prodigal son. We're, we're like, oh my gosh, God was there all the time. Right? Is that how you felt when you came to God? You know, especially the later in life you come to God. It's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this when I was seven? What, 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 what a bonehead, you know? I, I was an idiot. I have lived a tough life and I didn't have to because I could have had our heavenly Father's presence in my life. But Jesus talks about us being a reflection of his glory. See, it's not my glory. I'm just like a mirror. And, and so the mirror has no power of its own, right? Hello? So, so the mirror, you take a mirror in a dark room of your house, does it light everything up? No. But you take it in a bright room, and it can shine and reflect the light that's there. And it's the same thing with you and I. Jesus said, let your light shine. The light God puts in you. The reflective light of God. The glorified God coming through your life. Let that happen. So in that way, we let God's name be famous both on what he does and how we reflect him to the world. Now, I need... A couple of volunteers. Walter, come on up here. And Dwayne, maybe you come up here. All right? You can walk faster than that, right? Okay, come on up. <laughs> come on up. Uh, all right, appreciate it. All right, we don't have all day. These people got to go eat brunch or something, you know? All right, you stand back here, Walter. And Dwayne, you stand over here for me. All right, I heard this story about Abraham Lincoln. All right? That... When Abraham Lincoln was president, and so, Walter, you be Abraham Lincoln, all right? You got the beard, so you can handle that. Um, so, when Abraham Lincoln was president, Tad, his son, would come in and out of the White House. And everybody knew, all the Secret Service, all the soldiers, everybody knew who Tad was. And... and Abraham Lincoln made it known that if my son needs me, he, you bring him to me. He has all access. And so Tad, one day at the White House, was walking along, and he sees this soldier, and this soldier's looking depressed. Look depressed. All right. And, and so he sees this soldier. You're not looking very depressed, all right? Um, <laughs> He sees him looking depressed, and he says, hey, uh, what, what's wrong? And he says, well, I'm trying to go see the president, and every time I go, the soldiers won't let me in. And Tad says, is that right? Well, come with me. <laughs> and the soldiers step back and stand to attention, 
and one of them grabs the door and holds it open so Tad can walk in and introduce his new friend to the president of the United States, his dad. Now, I don't know about you, but that was pretty amazing because when you think about it, when you think about it, you and I need access to the Father, not just the President of the United States. No, 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 bigger than that. See, we, we need access to the Creator of the universe, the one who has all power and all authority, who with the breath of his nostrils can create life out of dust. The one who is able to fill all in all, as Paul said, who is all encompassing, who is all over, who I, David said, I could go clear down to the depths of hell and I still couldn't get away from your presence. You're everywhere I go. And so we need access into that, but I don't know about you, but I don't deserve to get in there, do you? I, I, no wonder I, I can be depressed. No wonder I, I, I can feel like life is hard. Because if I don't have access to the one who is life, who, who breathes life, who created life, but the good news for you and for me is we have someone, we have the son who is able to take us into the very presence, not of the president of the United States, but the absolute creator of all that is, the creator God who can take us into his presence and say, I know you don't deserve to come in here, but watch this. I'm going to bring you in here because I know my dad wants to see you. I am so thankful today that we have the son of the living God who has all access to the father and he has given that access to you. Amen? And, and I was thinking about that this week. And I was thinking, you know, there's something known as the presidential pardon. You know, where, where when the president pardons you, and this is my understanding of it, that, that then it's, it's done. That the charges can no longer be brought against you. That when you receive a presidential pardon, pardon, it is as though you could have been a murderer, you could have been a, a conniver, you, you could have been a cheat, a thief, you, you could have robbed people of millions, even billions of dollars, but if the President of the United States issues a presidential pardon, you cannot be prosecuted any longer for those offenses. I'm here to tell you that there's something better than a presidential pardon that's been issued on your behalf and on my behalf that the charges that should be brought against you, come on somebody, the charges that you, you deserve, that you earned, that were part of your bad choices, your bad decisions and things in your life, the stubbornness of your own heart, come on 
somebody that God himself looked down and said, I know what you deserve. I know where you should be locked up. I know where you should go, but I'm not just a God who stands far off. I am a heavenly father who is up close and personal, and because of what my son has done, you are pardoned. Hallelujah. If you're pardoned today, give God a shout of praise. Thanks, guys. Who are you calling when you pray? You ever thought about that? Who's on the end of the phone when you're speaking to God? Jesus says, just stop and think about before you get going with your list, okay? Because I know you got a long list, and I know it's written in bold, and I know you got all these problems and all these issues and all these things you want and, and, and all. But before we get there, would you just stop and think about who you've got on the line? Would you just stop and think about who you're coming before as the provider, the sustainer, the savior, the rock, the deliverer, the healer, the help, the peace, the hope of all. He is a great big God who invited you into his presence to call him Father. He is faithful when you are not. And he is standing when you are falling. May your name, O Heavenly Father, be sanctified. May it be known and may it be reflected through my life. Let's pray. Father. We're so glad we can call you that. And it's not because we deserve it, because we're much like that prodigal. And we deserve far more judgment than what many of us maybe even realize. But you have taken our judgment, and you have paid the penalty for us to come in, not just to the Oval Office but into your throne room through the grace of God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I want to reflect God. I want to reflect that great, awesome God who forgave me, washed me, cleansed me, who has redeemed me. I want, when I pray, I want to remember who he is in all of his glory and power, might and majesty. I want to proclaim his glory as best as I can as being a mirror reflection of his glory at school, at work, at wherever I go. I want God's glory to be seen in me. If that's your prayer, would you just raise your hand today and say, yes, yes, yes. God, be glorified in me. Father in heaven, be glorified in us. May we be a clear mirror. Very, very clean, very clear to brightly reflect your glory. 
Because in a dark culture with so many issues, we need that light. So God, today, help us, remind us of who we're talking to, who we're bringing our problems to, who we're bringing our situations to. We are not just talking to the President of the United States and His authority. We're talking to the God of the universe and His authority. So God, today, help us to be mindful of that and help us to be reflective of that. Maybe you're here today and some of you would say, Craig, I, I don't feel like I have access to God. And maybe, friend... It's because you've never allowed the sun to take you in. Or maybe you walked away kind of like that prodigal and thought, I'm going to leave the father's house. I'm going to go out here and do my own thing, make my own choices and live my own life. And maybe today you feel like that prodigal afar off, far off. That's not what God desires. God desires for you to be brought near. And if you'd like to be brought near, doesn't matter what your earthly father was like, this father is waiting for you today. He's watching for you. He's anxious to run to you if you'll come to him. And if you're here this morning and you need that relationship with your heavenly father I want to help you restore that right now just slip up your hand and say yes it's me Craig I need that today yes yes I see that hand see that hand that hand God bless you over here God bless you All right. there's been a few hands around the room so right now I'm going to pray a prayer of restoration to our heavenly father and I'd like you just to repeat it after me and to encourage you church family just Everyone, let's everyone just pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the Son of God, to make access for me, to die on the cross for all my sin and pay its penalty so I can be free. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming and making me a child of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, let's praise God. Listen, we want to help you grow in that relationship because it's so important. And, and one thing is be here each week and just learn how to pray and, and, and touch the heart of God. But then another step is to join uh, the group on the video that was talked about starting.